0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: For the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children, and let them come quickly. For a voice of crying is heard out of Zion. For we are greatly confused. For death has come into our gettos. To cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean Islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, that saith Yah, and I
3: will return unto you, O oh my people.
2: and public town housing. Project monster sound. Lambs, lambs of the for sacrificial violence. James, Chow, old J. Old. at the public Burg- Burl- Camp Burl- the of the prophets of curse guns, crack holes, and fools The doors with the same of Momma. since all
4: at the ghetto, we have to cry have to
2: get up, stand up, turn back on the trend to the trend, the side, And <laughs>
4: But tossing fire, leaving Babylon trying, trying to escape time. Ooh, child, this futile. Who child is country trouble is too wild. That's why we got more than two styles. So Doing that the situation too sharp. And though the road is rocky, I'm ready to try. The next mile, the bring side to the blind man. who sound to the left child? We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a river fish. Jobinist, specialist, predatory, and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fire from his lips.
5: All I see is All I see is Welcome listeners to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all that getting, get an understanding again. Welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Reggie. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 253 that's 215 253 The listen-only line if you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, or any other device is 605-562 three one four oh that's six zero five five six two thirty one forty and that access code is nine five eight five nine zero and pound again that access code is nine five eight five nine zero and the pound sign we'll also uh take calls from the uh, conference line this evening we've been uh, trying that for the past couple of weeks, so if you'd like to get involved from the conference line, just punch star six one and we'll see you see your name and we'll be able to uh patch you right in from the conference line again that an access code is six zero five five six two three thirty one forty uh that's the number and the access code is nine five eight five nine zero on the pound sign if you want to participate in the conversation from the conference line just uh, dial star six one and uh, we'll get you in. We're streaming live at two locations: www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash Time for an Awakening. That's www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash Time for an Awakening. We're also on the TuneIn app. You're on your device: your your uh, your iPad, your tablet, your desktop, your iPhone. TuneIn is a free app. Just download it. Uh, take a couple of seconds. And then that search engine, type in Time for an Awakening. And there you'll see the icon. And you can listen to your program. Listen to the program live from any of your devices, even in your car. It's Time for an Awakening on your TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. It's time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Time for Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type Time for an Awakening radio program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Edge. And before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program with a fan page on Facebook. Also, Time for an Awakening media has been launched. In your address bar, just type in timeforanawakening.com. That's com in your address bar. And there you'll see a lot of different things being posted on the site all the time. Uh, podcasts of the programs, uh, interesting articles. We'll be getting blogs up pretty soon from uh, maybe some special guest bloggers. Even Brother Reg will be putting a blog up soon. And uh, and the products, black products, will be coming your way very soon from the site. So in that address bar you can type in time for an awakening and you'll see the site up and in living color. Tonight, two weeks in a row, something special. That's you as special guests. We'll be an open forum conversation so you can get in and uh, talk about anything that you want that's, uh, that's been going on. Uh, me and Brother Rich might throw out a couple topics just to get things started, but uh, the floor will be yours. We'll be back to get things started after a brief word from our sponsors.
6: Our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here.
0: 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance in Incorporated. By free conference call HD.com. This conference is being recorded. Before
2: your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today. 215 224 that's 215 224 3882. Dooly Brothers Roofing. The roofing experts you can trust. That number again 215 224 3882. 215 224 3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley
5: Antiquity to the present. Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m. with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back uh, to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get things started, Brother Reg, what's going on out there? Anything in the community? I'm going a, I'm a, uh, to be a few minutes because I'm going to get a little technical thing straightened out. So uh, take it from here, Brother Reg.
8: The African-American Freedom and Reconstruction League will be having a meeting on Saturday, February 27th, 2016. The League will present Brother Khalid Abdur Rashid. His presentation will be the history of the Republic of New Africa. Brother Rashid has been a community activist and fighter for truth and justice for 50 years or more. He began his activist stance as a member of the Black Panthers and moved on to to co-found the Community Assistance for Prisoners Organization. In addition, he was the former national spokesperson for the New African Liberation Front and, and a prior minister of defense of the Republic of New Africa. His current position is the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Republic of New Africa to spread the word about the RNA in Africa. He started a publication called New Africa, excuse me, called New African Journal in which he dispenses information concerning Africans in the diaspora and the motherland.
9: The conference his, has been locked.
8: His presentation will highlight the, the history of the organization unlocked. and the leaders. Robert F. Williams and Amari Obadeli, two men who believe in self-defense in the homeland for Africans in America. Please encourage friends and family to come and hear him speak. Your participation in the question and answer session is welcomed. The date of this event is Saturday, February 27th, 2016. Time will be 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Location, Joseph Coleman Library. 68 West Shelton Avenue between Germantown Avenue and Green Street, Philadelphia PA-19144. Date of the event is Saturday, February 27, 2016. Time, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Location, Joseph Coleman Library, 68 West Shelton Avenue between Germantown Avenue and Green Street, Philadelphia PA-19144. Admission is free to the public. For more information, please call 215 215- the number again is 215-474-3577, come out and support the league, the African American Freedom and Reconstruction League and this initiative, and also bring out your children. Also, on Thursday, uh, the One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors will be having their national press conference. Uh, you could go to the site wwwiam one one If you're part of the press, please contact info at im one If you want some more information in, in, regarding this event, you could contact myself and Brother Elliot at time for an awakening at gmail.com, time for an awakening at gmail.com. This event will start this Thursday. Uh basis of the presentation is let everyone know what the women constitutes Black Voters Contributors has been doing, what we've been organizing, and what the, what we're trying to do in the future in this political landscape and also what we're trying to do economically for our people by pulling our resources together, pulling our minds pulling our efforts together to accomplish some things in 2016 and moving forward. Uh, is the U.S. Constitution the supreme law of the land? Article 6 of the United States Constitution says so and reads in part, the Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties made or shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. The article goes on to state that the senators and representatives before mentioned, and the members of the several state legislatures, and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States, and of the several states shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. The foregoing excerpt from the U.S. Constitution is not legalese. It is plain old American English. No states have a right to enact laws that contradict the U.S. Constitution. Period. Should be the end of the story. How then has it happened that a majority of states have passed laws which allow police to violate citizens' constitutional constitutional protections with impunity? Why are police allowed to routinely commit acts of deadly aggression against American citizens with no fair pro- prosecution? If indeed no person is above or beyond the scope of the law, why are police who are supposedly sworn to protect and serve citizens? allowed to maim and murder them in the streets and even in their homes. The one million conscious black voters and contributors contends it is because an element among the populace has used this economic power to hijack, control of the U.S. government and in the process seeks to divest the Constitution of its Bill of Rights. This act of treason has gone largely unreported on because the same or elements have gained control of the so-called fourth estate, the public media. Indeed, the mainstream of major media have become mere propaganda tools used by the nation's oligarchs to indoctrinate the public into submission to the interests of the ruling elites. As a result, for example, the working class has become anti-union and many prominent blacks advanced the ridiculous premise that the word nigger could become become a term of endearment. In an effort to cement their anti-Constitution gains to date, the far-right wing of the conservative and Republican Party has for at least two decades been busily at work seeking to convene a constitutional convention. Their intent is to remove those provisions from the supreme law of the land, which protect the rights of citizens. It is reported that Ted Cruz, contender for the Republican presidential nomination, is proposing a bill to strip the Fifth and Sixth Amendments from the U.S. Constitution. By way of illustration, pertinent excerpts from those two amendments are stated here. Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Amendment 6, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district, wherein the crime shall have been committed to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Why would Ted Cruz or any other citizen who claimed to be patriarch, who claimed to be a patriot, be opposed to the foregoing provisions? Do they hate the American Constitution that much? If so, why? Insofar as the conservatives have become anti-constitution, and Democrats are moving aggressively to join them on the right-wing political fringe, someone needs to step up and defend the U.S. Constitution as the foundation for providing and protecting the rights of American of American citizens. In view of the foregoing. One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributor, is taking a claim to the title, Black Constitutional Patriots, Black Constitutional Patriots. Insofar as both major political parties have become anti-Constitution, we have determined to step into the breach and declare ourselves the defenders of all that is right and good about and in the supreme law of the land and will henceforth speak loud and strong in its defense. It follows logically that if we are to assume such an important role and responsibility in and for America, for well, our once enslaved people must as, must at long last be provided with every full measure of citizenship. Toward that end, to, Toward that end, we hereby call for the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to be corrected to read, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States nor any place subject to their jurisdiction. I will read that again. We hereby call for the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to be corrected to read, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States nor any place subject to to their jurisdiction jurisdiction. in the words of Paul Ryan Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives as he spoke on the 150th anniversary of the 13th Amendment it is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this I would uh, implore the listening audience to read Amendment 5 Amendment six and the thirteenth amendment to the US Constitution. And also to go to wwim one millioncom All the information is listed on the website. If you have been to the website already, you should go back to the website to read information. Also, if you have not joined the One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributors and you're tired of what's going on in this political landscape, one of the important things you need to do, you need to sign up, read the information that's on the page, sign up, contact the local state chapter representative in your state, and see what skill set that you have to um, place in this movement and in this organization. Also, anybody wanting more info, could contact the woman in conscious black voters contributors at info at Iam One of dot com. Info at I am one of the dot com. Also, one of the key strategies for a lot of the black people that are listening to our program tonight is for you to non register yourself as a Democrat in the state. That's one of the that's one of the things. One of the major initiatives. If you go to the One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributors website, I am One of the Million dot com. You need to familiarize yourself with the laws in your state, and also that's when you're becoming a member. That is one of the duties of becoming a member of the One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributors. Also, a, a membership due, a membership dues for yearly membership. This is not free. Our freedom is not free. We have to support. We support a lot of foolishness outside in this country, in our local neighborhoods. Put your money, put your dollars, put your work ethic to something that's going to help yourself, your people, your community, your children, and your future progeny. Once again, go to wwwiam one Check out information. If you need to talk to myself or Brother Elliot about anything that you might not understand, you can contact us and we'll get you in contact with the right uh, person in your state. And you can contact us at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. That's timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
9: Thank you.
5: Uh, Reg, uh, I guess we'll be going to break in about another five minutes, a uh, brief break. Um, two things I want to mention. Uh, and it kind of coincides with what you were just talking about. But it's an ongoing situation that we face constantly in this country. And we've we've faced it since we've been here. Uh, the lives of our people always being in jeopardy. Let me read this. It was uh, an article uh, from a vet Carnell site, Breaking Brown. It says, Georgia cop promoted less than one year after fatally shooting a black man over probation warrant. A Georgia officer who fatally shot an unarmed black man has been promoted less than one year after Nicholas Thomas died in March 2015 shooting. The officer who fired fired the fatal shot Sergeant Kenneth Owens is being promoted to lieutenant. Uh, and just in case some of our listening audience, audience uh, may have forgotten the story or may not be aware of all the uh, the background behind this particular uh, story, um, the young man, Nicholas Thomas, worked at a good year. He was an auto mechanic, and he had some outstanding uh, traffic warrants or violations. And the police came to his place of business and basically gunned him down at the place where he worked. Uh, Let me continue this brief paragraph here. These people are not taking us seriously, said the deceased man's mother, Felicia Thomas. She told radio station V-103, they're laughing at us. America's promoting police officers who are killing our children. Nicholas Thomas, 23, was working at a Goodyear Tire store on March of 2015 when Smyrna and Cobb County police officers arrived to arrest him on a probation warrant. Thomas was, uh, Thomas was a customer. oh, excuse me. Thomas was working on a customer's Maserati when the police officers arrived. According to police, uh, th- he used his vehicle to try to run down police officers. The Smyrna Police Department claimed officers gave commands for Thomas to stop once, and the car came to a stop Uh, when he didn't respond. uh, They opened fire. A witness on the scene, however, told a different story. The police officers were standing behind the car opening fire. He wasn't even driving toward them. The Goodyear customer, Brittany uh, Eustace, told the local news station, The car was not moving when they began to shoot at him. Uh, He couldn't go any further, she said. In July, a Cobb County grand jury ruled that the shooting was justified. Owens was officially received his rank as lieutenant on Monday, February 15th, 2016. Uh, So we see again. Where uh these things are continually to happen to our people, continuously happening to our people. And it's something here that uh the young man's mother said and I want to repeat uh, the quote These people are not taking us seriously, said the deceased man's mother, Felicia Thomas, as she told a radio station. They're laughing at us. America's promoting police officers who are killing our children. It's time for us to not only speak to these issues, but to do a little bit more. I remember when we had marine uh uh miss marine from uh, uh Michigan welfare rights on here talking about we've just about exhausted legal means to deal with these issues uh We see here that in 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 order to deal with these issues properly, anybody has to organize. It's uh, three planks that I wanted to make mention of in the living document of one million conscious black voters and contributors. Plank number five that deals with unlawful stop and recording of movements of police officers. Uh, Plank number six of the living document, community control of policing. So and also the plank that Reggie was talking about, which is plank number 18, about amending the 13th. Uh, amendment which is a feeder for the prison industrial complex so we see we do we do have means to try to address these things and force these elected officials to answer our people in a legal means because it's almost to the point where legal means has almost been exhausted i can understand how this mother feels seeing the officer that gunned her son down being promoted for basically what he did It's time for us to do a little bit better. We need to organize in a serious organization with conscious black folks. Go to 1 million conscious black voters and contributors website. Look at the planks. See the people are involved. Listen to the testimonies. Look at some of the media uh, uh, outlets that have had the men on. Brother Klingman, Brother Amafika Gayuka. Listen to what they're saying. Look at what the people are doing. It's time for our people to get involved in something serious, a movement that'll mean something. When we come back from commercial, I want to talk about briefly about uh, the 51st anniversary of Malcolm being assassinated in the Audubon ballroom in February 21st, 1965. We'll talk about that when we come back from commercial. You can join this conversation because we're in open form this evening. You can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. We'll be right back.
2: What is in
5: one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? You realize that nobody's going to save black people but us. If you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, and get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to ww.and1ofthemillion.com. That's ww.i one of the million.com. The control,
6: the control press, the white press, inflames the white public against negroes. The police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90% or 99% of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics, stopping any black man who is in the, on, on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, as long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. Once the police have convinced the white public that the so-called Negro community is a criminal element, they can go in and question, brutalize, Murder unarmed innocent Negroes and the white public is gullible enough to back them up. This makes the Negro community a police state. This makes the Negro neighborhood a police state. It's the, it's the most heavily patrolled. It has more police in it than any other neighborhood, yet it has more crime in it than any other neighborhood. How can you have more cops and more crime? Why? It shows you that the cops must be in cahoots with the criminals The police the same way They put their club upside your head And then turn around and accuse you of attacking them Every case of police brutality against a Negro Follows the same pattern They attack you Bust you all upside your mouth And then take you to court And charge you with assault What kind of democracy is that What kind of uh, freedom is that What kind of social or political system is it When a black man has no voice in court Has no nothing on his side Other than what the white man Chooses to give him? My brothers and sisters We have to put a stop to this And it will never be stopped until we stop it ourselves. They attack the victim. And then the criminal who attacked the victim accuses the victim of attacking him. This is American justice. This is American democracy. And those of you who are familiar with it know that in America, democracy is hypocrisy. Now, if I'm wrong, put me in jail. But if you can't prove that if democracy is not hypocrisy, then don't put your hands on me.
5: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, and we're in open forum this evening. Anything on your mind, give us a call. We've introduced a couple of things. Uh, but the floor is yours. We got a couple of callers on hold. I do want to make mention that uh you can catch any of the programs and other programs in their its entirety. By going to timeforanawakening.com. Just put com into your address bar. And there you'll see uh, some of the past podcasts of the program. You can listen to them. And even this uh, program, after it's over, will be there. That you can hear in its entirety. Just go to com. And you can listen to the program the podcast in its entirety uh before we go to our callers. I do want to make mention of this uh We just heard a couple of uh snippets of speeches uh, by brother malcolm x uh came from speeches in nineteen sixty three He was assassinated february twenty first which is today in nineteen sixty five in the audubon ballroom I put uh, a question uh, along with a brief list of uh people that I consider traitors uh to our people and uh, more properly categorized as Uncle Tom's uh one of the men on that list is Gene Roberts Gene Roberts was was a policeman, supposedly a policeman, that worked for New York Police Department and the FBI. Uh, He infiltrated uh, Malcolm's organization and uh, led to the death in the Audubon Ballroom. Uh, I think the question, and we've talked about this on the program, callers have raised this as a topic and as a question. What do we do about people like this this man, Gene Roberts, after he did what he did to Malcolm and, and the organization, went on to work for not only the police department, I believe the FBI and CIA, and in, uh, infiltrating other organizations, the Panthers, other organizations in New York, and he probably worked in other cities. And you had other men like this working for these police departments. Um, what do we do in reference to these people? What, what, uh, how do they pay? For what they've done and the damage that they've done to our people, how do we make them? How do we hold them accountable? Do we let them just move go on with their lives? Should we hold them accountable? I believe that we should. But uh, I want to get your opinion on this. And before we do, let me let me uh, move on to take a call. Uh, four hundred four area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Four hundred four area code. Yeah. Is this me? Yes.
9: Oh, greetings to you, um, uh, Elliot and Reggie. This is Sarah.
5: Hey, Sarah. How are you? I do,
9: Sarah. am. No hey, greetings. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt your monologue. No, I no, no,
5: no. I, want I'm. Put you back. No, go ahead.
9: No, because I wanted you to continue finishing up what you were saying because it might tie into anything I might have to say. So I didn't. I don't want to interrupt anything that you have to say in regards to um the program for tonight.
5: No, we're in open form. The floor is yours.
9: Okay. um, Well, first of all, let me um, give you my due condolences because Rafa told me that your father had transitioned.
5: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
9: Oh, you're welcome. I I meant to give it to you last week when I called in, and I must, you know, um, wish you the best for you and the family because... This, I, um, generally I don't like the month of February because it's not a good, it's not a good month for for me as well. Because my first husband transitioned in this month as well as my mother transitioned in this month, and then we have all of these deaths that are happening. So I, I normally don't look forward to the month of February, it is not a very good month for me. And then, of course, we have the commemoration of, um, Minister Malcolm X' Trent, um, 51st anniversary that happened on yesterday, and everything else that's been going on with us. So it, 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 it is it is it is not looking good for us, and which is why I wanted to tie back into what you were stating with everything else that's been going on with us, and what you were talking about with the the one on your, the the one million conscious black voters and contributors, and what this that you're trying to do on um, Brother Klemmer, and I'm is trying to do with that organization <clears throat> with us. And I'm going to look forward to their press conference that they're going to be having later on in the week in regards to this voting situation that black people seem to be addicted to, and we don't get any results from it, and we don't know exactly what it is that we all really want. We just want to do it because we are told it is something that we have to do, but we really don't ask for anything, or we are not have any, any sort of voter education when it comes to whatever it is that we are supposed to get out of this process. Because in um, politics is a quick pro. You're supposed to get something from out of it that you're putting into it. Everybody else is getting something from out of this process. Mm-hmm. But it seems that for us, we seem to only want a few of our so called um, bourgeoisie class people to get positions in this um, and that's supposed to satisfy the whole. We just to pulling out one or two status class Negroes and push oh, them out.
1: Man, Go, go ahead,
9: sir. Okay, somebody seems to be on the line. Yeah. Meet, go, know,
5: ahead. And, go ahead,
9: go ahead. No, but that's how it has been happening for us consistently ever since from the civil rights era from in the 60s when we had a few status um, Negroes got pushed out there to the front, and all of us fell in line, and then we felt satisfied, okay, that one or two of us going to get in the, put into position, we're going to get a job, some, some high-profile job, or we're going to get into some school, we had one or two, to get admitted into the or white university, and then the rest of us at the bottom, we're supposed to just be satisfied just because these few status people, um they, they make it. And that's the same thing we're seeing today. We are being told that, oh, we have come a long way and all of this. Which, how How is it we have come a long way? I still don't understand because a few of us have managed to make it into millionaire and billionaire class. That does not equate to the other 99% of us who are still struggling in bad schools, bad housing, and everything else that they're existing within. Mm -hmm. It does not equate equate to that. And I'm tired of people always using that line to say that we have come a long way. We have not come a long way. A few people have come a long way. People like the Barack Obamas and the Oprah Winfrey's and the and the Magic Johnsons and whoever else, they have come a long way. It it has benefited them. And and, and um, nothing negative against these people who have made made it, but these are the things that white people like to do. They like to pull out these one or two um, black people that they can pull out and use to advance their cause, and then they're going to dangle that character in our faces and say, okay, see, these made it, so why the rest of y'all complaining because y'all have come a long way? No, we have not. We have not. When you look around here, and you see that we are being poisoned. you can't even get good water. You're talking about all of the the, the bad water in all, throughout the northeastern part of the country, as well as in um in places like Texas and Michigan and all of these other areas where we are being poisoned and we are being killed. We are being systematically killed. And these people are not they're not hiding. You haven't you haven't heard any of these black officials that are always that are on the Hillary Clinton and the Bernie Sanders bandwagon. You haven't heard not one of them make any statements or talk about what's going on in Flint, like, Michigan. This is golden in your face. This this governor has uh, has set out to poison a whole city of people. And white people, don't, they don't mind if they kill off a few of their own people just to make it look authentic to say, okay, they're killing white people too, so it can't be um, that we are racist. But white people have always made it a point that they don't mind killing a few of their own that so they're considered to be the niggers of the white race. They don't mind getting rid of them in order, if it needs to say they could kill millions more black people. That's how they've always operated. So, so right. we cannot just... You're right. I'm sorry to... No, you're uh, so You're we, right. But, but, but with a lot of us, we, we, we have this, this white savior mentality, okay, because white people are involved. Uh, okay, we're going to push up a few white people to the front because they're getting um, on the news clips that you see. They're focused on these poor white women with their children. They're talking about what's happening to them. But they're not talking about a, a city that is majority black who is being affected. But, but, so white people have always done that when it comes to their people. They've always um, sought to get rid of them. Uh, which brings me back to the situation with a Bernie Sanders and with a Hillary Clinton.
5: You know, be- this- before before you move to that, sir, let me say something in reference to what you said, because a lot of our people throw those, uh, you know, the, the standard bearers up, the Oprah's, the uh, the Magic Johnson's, the Jordans, the people like that as as a, a standard bearer that we've come a long way. But it's, it's something that is a common thread and even elected officials. It's a common thread there that, that goes all the way back to our days when our fathers was in chattel enslavement. The reason a lot of a lot of our people didn't say anything or do anything against the people that had them enslaved or had our folks enslaved is because of fear. You did have some fearless people among us that didn't care whether they was going to lose their life or anything. They were going to do something about it. But the common thread was fear, and it's still here now because you just spoke out. About, I mean, you just mentioned why some of these people don't speak out. The thing is fear. They're still afraid to what white people uh-huh. will do to them or say about them. So that, that, that common thread is still there. That fear is still there. Go ahead, Sarah. You can but finish I, up.
9: I, I agree with that. You know, it, it, it's fair because we all want to be fair of your employment status, that you can lose a job. Or or anything, or or your children could get kicked out of schools or whatever because of your action. We always know because this system, in this society, this white supremacist society, one of the what they operate on is two things: is fear and terrorism. That's how they operate. They're gonna scare you, and if they can't scare you, scare you enough, then they're gonna terrorize the hell out of you, and then they're gonna kill you. Because when they figure that they can't, uh, that you are not scared enough of them, and you can't do it, or or you are not backing them, as we saw with Minister Malcolm X and with Dr. King and all of these other people who are not afraid of them, then they have to kill them and get them off the scene because if they keep you around, then you're going to act as an impetus in order to rally up the forces, in order to get them to go up against the system so they cannot have you who are not bowing down, who are not shaking in your boots against the system. They have to get rid of you and move you off the scene. And that's how this white supremacist system has been able to last this long. is by this fear and this control that they have over us. And it started from us, from children, with all of this fear, in, um, from from, the, from biblical literature and all this other stuff, that it could instill this fear within you to get you under their control. And back to the situation with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And all of this, uh, all of the past week, I've been seeing that they've been running these articles about dropping pictures of Sean Bernie Sanders. Yes, he was in Chicago, and he did a few sit-ins, and he did a few few this and that. You know, black people need to stop looking at white saviors. We have got to get out of this mentality of white saviors, and it comes back once again of this religion and theology-based nonsense where white people have made themselves into God, into the image of God, and therefore we look at these people, we fear them just as we would fear some deity who is a God so I don't care what Bernie Sanders might have, might have done in the past, so what we always like we always have to focus on one or two white people or, or like the um the, 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 the two white boys that got killed in alabama with with, with um James Cheney every year we focus on them or we focus on the white woman with viola Luizzo. We always focus on these three white people in the movement that we could name or we could go all the way back into the John Brown of over hundred and fifty years ago. We all, was what about the thousands, the millions of black people that have shed their um, their lives and have been fighting against the system up until the present day? Why don't we focus on? Why are we focusing on these white people or whatever they do, whatever they might choose to do? So if he went, if if he called himself fighting in regards to the injustice that we were under in the '60s, and now all of a sudden they want to pull it out and use it as a political platform in order for him to, to advance? Look where Sanders is at today compared to look at people like Fred Hampton um, Sr., Mark Clark, Mumia Abu-Jamal, Imam um, Jamil Al-Amin, um, h Brown, um, Asada Shakur in Cuba. Look at where all of these people are. They're not where, where, where Bernie Sanders is at. Bernie Sanders has managed to make himself into a very good political career. He's managed to make for himself, running off of, off of the fumes of what he did, like all white people have done. All of these white people who call themselves so-called radical in the 60s, look where they are today. Look at Jerry Brown. He's the governor of California. He was a so-called radical um, running around California and, um, and blowing up things with the weather on the ground and all these other groups they were running around with. And mm. look where they are today compared to where other people are. None of them are incarcerated. They don't have a prison record. They are up trying to, um, to run out of the country and want to exile and do all of these things to stay safe. They're right here in the United States in high public office. So I don't want to hear not a black person come and tend to Bernie Sanders is it because Bernie Sanders did whatever he did in the 60s. Because I'm going to slap you. I'm really and truly really going to want to slap you in your face for saying some foolishness like this. Because you are, diso- you are, um, you are in fact, spitting on the graves of your ancestors, uh, people such as Fannie Lou Hamer. This is more shut us from the Democratic Convention. These same Democrats that you want to be kissing up after. In Atlantic City, they shut her out. They would not even—they won't even let her at the Mississippi um, Freedom um, Party in into the convention. So, and all of a sudden, you want to—you want to be kissing up behind these people and come saying that that Hillary Clinton, um, you want a woman to be president, and uh, you want Bernie Sanders to be president. These are all white people. Whether it be a white man or a white woman, they're still white people.
5: Sarah, let me ask you something before I let you go because you—you you raised a, a point and uh, and and you kind of uh. Is thinking the same way I'm thinking on this issue but I want you to put it in your words and see if uh, I just throw it out there the mentality the thinking of some of our people that we always want to wave something that white folks are doing uh, quote unquote for us why is it a need to, to do that and, and the reason I'm asking you this uh, I was just talking to a, a brother here uh, in Philadelphia, a uh, brother Richard earlier today. He shared an article with me about this. It's a white guy here that just became mayor. And he said that he wanted to build a statue to Octavius Cato. And for our listening audience that don't know about Octavius Cato, just look him up and look what he did uh, historically, his contribution. And and I was conversating with him about it because Some of our people get excited when white folks make overtures about somebody black or making comments about somebody black. What do you think that, why is it some type of uh, thrill or or, or euphoria when our people hear white folks say something that, uh, you know, if I hear somebody say something that's right, okay, it's right. But, I mean, what's the need to get excited about it? In fact, some of these people say things, Sarah, and they don't intend to follow through with what they're talking about. Uh-huh. You hear this crap that Hillary Clinton is talking, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, for that matter. You hear this uh-huh. stuff they're talking. They have no no uh, intention to follow through with any of it. In fact, they've made negative statements to the, the same effect that they're trying to spin that they're talking about now. So w- what is it this this unconscious need for our people to hear white folks say something that they think is, well, what is that? What is that? Is it has something to do with the religion that we've been taught here in this country? Or what, what is it, in your opinion?
9: It's white validation, and it has to do with the religion. Because when the people who conquer you come, um, put the religion in the form of Jesus you know, as a white man, and every time you go up against them, it's like uh, every time you're fighting this white person that's done you wrong, you're having, you're, you're having two conflicting emotions fighting at you because you still have this image of this white God and this white person are all wrapped up in one and the same. And white people know this and they play on it over and over again with us by telling us because they know we have this need to belong. We, we have this need to be validated by, by them. Some of us have this need for white validation. So they play on these emotions because white people, are, white people are very tricky people. They do it with their language. They do it with everything. It's deceit, and they do it over and over again with us. They do this stuff over and over again with us. And some of us have not caught on to it. We keep thinking, oh, this time it's going to be different. This time they're going to really mean it. They don't mean it. None of them mean nothing. What they say, it's a, they mean to continue to maintain dominion over us by playing on our emotions. And a lot of us have bought into this because if the white men say, then, of course, it got to be true, and it's more valid than if somebody black says the same thing. But I don't care what Bernie Sanders did. I don't care what Hillary Clinton said because I know these people have to make political stump speeches. Barack Obama did the same thing, but once they get into office, it's going to be a continuation of the administration of, Barack, of what a, Barack Obama is continuing George Bush's, and like George Bush's. Bush continued Clinton, and Clinton from the Bush one, and so on and so on. It's a continuation process. These people are here to represent the system. They're not there to represent you. They might look like you phenotypically, but they're not here to do anything for us. They're here to represent the status quo. So I don't know why why we keep falling for these lies. Like I said, we like to be lied to. And it comes from, um, from childhood with these fairy tales and all of these things that we tell our children from church, from the books that we give to them and the, um, the Hansel and Greckles and all of these different stories, which are all lies. And we live in this fantasy world that we've, we've constructed for ourselves, and we don't want to face our reality that white people are, are, are evil. It's not me saying it because you want to face a speech. I'm speaking of fact. These people work speak for themselves. Hey, Tell sir. me where on this planet that they have ever been there, that the people are starting to be better off because white people show up. Nobody can show me a spot on the globe where white people have been and people have been better off for it.
8: Sarah, this is Brother Reggie. I, I, I'm, you just, the last thing you said is what I uh, had you wanted to chime in. And I just want to get your thoughts on this also. So on that part of what you just said with white people being evil, I'm just going from that premise. Now, and I'm also thinking about what, how Elliot started off the question to you. Now, if we're looking at black folks, right, is there something different from black people than white people? I'm just putting out a couple different things. Is there a difference between black people and white people? Do we have different souls, different spirits? That's one thing. Second thing is, uh, black black folks are not a, a monolith. We're not a monolithic people. We're different. We have differences. So I've read a lot of slave narratives where you had the white Jesus, but if you read the slave narrative, some of the slave narratives, some of the black folks who followed that so-called white Jesus, were saying the slave narrative that these white ministers and these white people they going to hell based on that it based on that indoctrination at that time drawing drawing chattel slavery. Just want to put that out there. Also, if white people are not evil and if black people are not good, <laughs> what's the resolution of, of, of our dilemma. And I'm just putting that out there because that's almost like an oxymoron. What a statement I just put out there. I'm just saying that because if you look at the major problem, if you're talking about politics, you have Republicans that show you straight up what they, where they're coming from. You have to pull yourself up by, their, by your own bootstraps, but they didn't do that. Republicans historically in this country have received handouts. Black folks were once Republicans, which I know you know, Sarah. But I'm talking about now. On the flip side, when we look at Democrats, right? Democrats do a lot of social programs for black folks. They're liberal. But when I look at black folks and you look at the Republicans and the Democrats, and I'm talking about white folks that are in these these positions, Not, not even putting our folks in, just white folks. You have one Republican telling you straight up, we were slavery was in full effect, basically, right now. We wanted to go back to the old times. Then you have these Democrats that don't like you, and they showed, show that to you by their actions, but their conscience bothers them. So it's almost like the handouts are the things that they do give and push for black folks to get a little benefit. It's almost like a little child... A grown person putting their hand on top of your head and patting you. All right, we don't give you something, so now shut up and do it as I say. That's how I look at the the, the 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 dilemma of black folks in the in the country. I think we're almost like the the word they use, the boogeyman. I think everything starts and finishes with the black man, black woman, and black children in, in, in this country. We don't have, we don't manufacture any guns. We don't manufacture any bullets. We don't have a standing army. I'm talking about the black man, woman, and child in the United States of America. And we're still the number one threat to white society. Can you explain that to me, Sister Sarah?
9: Well, I'm going to start from uh, and try and move it backward. You might have to repeat a couple of the other questions, starting with what you were saying with um, white, um, the Democrats keep us dependent on the system which is something that the late ancestor Dr. Francis Chris Wilson has been saying, that white people need to stop being dependent on the government to, to help us, because this is the same government that put us in the fix that we are in, and it's not into their best interest within to get us out of this fix. By keeping us dependent on this system and giving us trinkets here and there, they let us, they fool us, they trick us into thinking that they are the good guys and they're the ones. They're the better um, side of these other bad white people over here. These are my friends. These are your friends. You can depend on us because we have all these little social programs that we're gonna get to you here and there. Even though we're gonna cut it off at any given time, but this is what they do to trick you to keep you locked into that system and dependent on these handouts. While the Republicans will tell you straight up, no, I ain't giving you nothing. You either vote for me or you don't. It's like Malcolm X said. You know, going back to what Malcolm X always saying that you know. That the Republicans and Democrats—they play these games. One, one is—they um, both belong to the same canine family. A fox and a wolf is the same thing. One is a bit more cunning in how he would come, out, he would approach you before he kill you. While the other would just—you know—just come right up and stalk you and just slaughter you. But white people we keep playing these games. and These people think that you're going to find a better one. And when I say white people, I'm talking—I'm not. Um, people always saying that we are not a monolithic people. White people are not monolithic either. White people come from different parts of the globe, don't speak a language. But once they get on these shores of these United States and they see the system, how it operates and how this this system of white supremacy is at the very, um, put white at the very top and black at the bottom, they fall in line with the system and they go along with what is being said. So it's not one individual. I'm told, we have to attack the entire system. It's not a person against one white person or the other. Because they all fall in line with the system. Whether they say my well, my family didn't own slaves and we had nothing to do with it. But you know what? When they got over here, whether it be in the late eighteen hundreds or the late nineteen hundreds, and they came over here and they saw what the system was like and how it was set up within which to lock black people completely out, they all fell in line and they said, You know what, we're gonna do that and this is what we gotta do to advance ourselves and they did it and they moved along. So they all benefit from it. So I don't I don't care what you are, what language you speak. As long as you say you white like and you are part of it and you adopt this system, then you treat it like everybody else.
8: So Sarah, so, uh, so I'm going to go back to the first thing that I laid out. I'm going to, I'm going to say it a little differently. And, and I just want to see, and based on what you are just saying, I, I know that you keep up with the news. So I want, I want to see your, your viewpoint on this. So you watch the news, you read, you see all these things that are on social media and things like that. And then you have your, you have your mindset, of an opinion of what you think about the things that you view on television. And it might be the same thing that 10 or 15 other black people watch, but you have a different scope of how you're looking at the same news, but it's still coming from white people. So I want to say if black folks and white folks are intrinsically different, right? We've been trying to work out this dilemma of why us, they treat us and continue to treat us this way. And it's an ongoing battle just for us to have regular humanitarian rights in this country all over the world. Are we wasting our time if there is a, a spiritual or intrinsic difference between black and white folks? Is it, would it be just better for us black folks not even communicate with them and just go ahead and do what we're going to do. Because when we are trying to communicate, there's never, uh, we never really are, we still have not arrived to what we want. So are we just wasting our time? I know we get incremental successes, right? Mm -hmm. Then sometimes some of the incremental successes because of the cunning and the devious ways of white supremacy and of the oppressors or however you want to call it white people we're taking steps back is, is it time for us to stop communicating with them if we're different it's almost like if you have a white friend okay we'll just use politics they're republican democrat you're a democrat they're republican or you're a pan-african and it's and they're white, they, they say, listen, I'm, I'm strictly, I'm I'm, I'm a, a foundation father, KKK Klansman, right? And you would talk, you might see eye to eye on certain things, but overall, when it's all said and done, you still mark differences in every conversation that you're going to have. And I'm talking about conversations of merit and meaning. I'm not talking about who your favorite basketball player was. And this. I'm talking about of stuff that has to do with your livelihood and your life is Mark differences, I just want to get your opinion. Should we continue trying to figure them out or try to make them understand where we're coming from? Or is that is that a is that a lost cause in 2016?
9: It's a lost cause. It's a lost cause to try and um, get white people to understand you because we stand more to lose than because what they are doing that by by you trying to Get them to understand you. Is they're perfecting their game of deceit because they're seeing how much you are catching on to what they're doing for them to go up and change up the game plan. That's been the problem with, with us. We we have been going out over bending over backwards to try and get white people to understand what they're doing to us. These people aren't stupid. Um, they know what they're doing. They have every idea to know that what they are doing to us, and they and they understand and they have no intentions of stopping because if they stop and they give up what they are doing, they don't want to exchange positions with us. That's the whole idea. They like to be where they are. If you're getting VIP treatment and you you're come, you don't have to, you, you get it first class of everything. All you have to do is be white and show up for a job, and automatically that is a big bonus for you. Regardless if you have a criminal record or not. I could have all the PhDs and the letters behind my name, but because I'm black, I'm already at a deficit. I'm already starting at a very um, negative deficit compared to somebody's white. So they already they already know that. So why are we wasting time? We can communicate for the basic necessities that we need to do to, con- to conduct business. But as far as us looking at them to align yourself with these people, which is what we have been doing, we've been trying to find so-called good white people to align ourselves with, thinking that they're going to help us in overcoming our situation, and we've been doing this going all the way back from John Brown all up to present. That's been over 100-plus years. and We can look and see as if nothing has changed for us. The game plan has gotten has changed up, but we are in the same position, still looking for white allies, and these people are moving on with their lives, like the ones in the 60s who so-called call themselves slummy and starting freedom schools and teaching black children how to read and write and to register to vote. Look where they are at today. Look at their children, who are the ones who are the cops who are shooting with and killing these, these people on the street. Because all these police involved and all of these police murders, they're all on the, most of them are under the age of 30. So where did they learn that from? If we are saying that the older generation were supposed to have improved, they're no longer racist, they would have raised their children to be in a race neutral situation. But we've seen these on the 30 white cops are out there killing these black children. Nothing has changed. We, we need to change our game plan. And stop looking for white allies and looking to change white people's minds, because they're not going. These people are operating a different frequency. Where do you know that, Elliot? You know that you could just play music and you could just look at them and see their beat is off. They're operating a different vibratory frequency than we do. So, there, so there's no connecting up to them. They, their their thought pattern is totally different than ours.
5: Sarah, listen, I want to the thank you for your contribution and. Uh, <laughs>
9: You, Don't be a know. stranger, Sarah. I appreciate
8: your answer. Yes, thank you,
9: thank you,
5: gentlemen. Rich, you know you you raised an interesting point, point. Um, and we're gonna go to a break. But before we do, you know you <laughs> that was interesting questions that you posed to
8: Sarah. I got I got one more for you too. You want me to ask you before we go to break?
5: No, no, no. Uh, because we can, we can continue the conversation after the okay. break. But I, I do want to mention this. I think it's a clear difference. If you use history as a teacher, it's a clear difference in spirituality between black folks and Europeans. I think it has a lot to do with our people being the first here on this planet, the first ones to uh, to have civilization, to have a code of laws and a code of ethics. It has a lot to do with that. Europeans were latecomers to being civilized. That's not a racial slur or slap. That's a fact. They were latecomers to civilization. Uh, That's why they always uh, pinned their uh, tail, so to speak, on the donkey of uh, Greco-Roman civilization. That wasn't the first time white people was on the face of the earth. But evidently, historically, you can see that that was the first time that they tried to act civilized or codified as a people they learned those things from our people in fact you look historically during that greco period when they was the hellenistic period they start realizing the beauty and wonder of women they got that from us before that they valued man-on-man relationships more than they valued women
8: They value value man on boys. Exactly.
5: Those are not racial statements or or bigoted statements. Those are facts. They didn't learn those things until late. They got those lessons from us. And then somewhere along the line, they must have dropped their books. Because our people keep, and I think that has a lot to do with our people being enslaved here. We keep appealing to Europeans' humanity and you know, you ought to treat me better. You know, because it's not right. And Europeans listen to you, but they have no intention on doing those things. Maybe it's not part of their ethos. That that could be
8: possible. But uh, well, you got to take that a little further. See, one, the reason why I was asking Sarah, you had, we, we
5: Well, let okay. me just say this, Ray, Before we go to break,
8: take a we need ethos, to talk about nature. Well, we need to get,
5: get to a mentality of starting making demands on these people instead of saying, "Hey." You know why don't you do this because it's right? No, no, no. Making demands is different than asking somebody for something. If you make a demand and it's not uh, 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 reciprocated, then you do something in response to that demand not being met. We're not used to doing that. Heretofore, we've been asking for things and then when it don't come to pass, or white people just smear it over, they look at our people like you stupid. They'll say one thing to you, then when it's not done, they'll come back and say something else and figure they're talking to somebody that's idiotic. And some of our people have been acting idiotic, especially when it comes to this politics. We act like we, we didn't drop our books. We act like we ain't got good sense. But listen, when we come back from a break, I want to go down that path a little bit, but I want you to ask that other question, and we've got a caller on the line also. And uh, you can join this conversation, too, at 215 253 six three that's two one five two five three seven two six three. I do want to say something too. When a caller's on hold, uh just sit there silently and then uh, don't don't be eating things and crunching potato chips and talking in the background. Just sit silently and then we can cue you up. I just want to make mention that some of the callers on hold they kind of uh, go overboard a little bit. But just give us a call two one five two five three seven two. Six three, that's two one five two five three seven two six three. Okay, we got a little situation here, but uh it's nothing we can't get over. And uh at the end of the program, if you didn't catch it from the beginning, just go to a time for an awakening dot com. That's time for an awakening dot com. And there you'll see uh podcast of the program, uh podcast of past programs, other interesting articles that have been posted. Again, go to timeforanawakening.com. Just put it in your address bar and make it one of your favorites. We'll be right back. You can get involved in a conversation at 215-253-7263. The folks on the listen only line, if they want to get involved in the conversation, they could do that too by punching star six one and we'll see them and just cue them right up. We'll be right back. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? You realize that nobody's going to save black people but us. If you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, Then get involved with 1 Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com.
2: Before you put on this record, understand, this is for all of my ancestors who were raped, who were killed, and hung because of their plight for freedom and for dignity. They died for me, and they died for you. This is for them to know that, yes, even today, in 1992, we are still fired up, and we're still talking about revolution.
5: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. We're in open forum this evening. Anything that's on your mind, give us a call. Anything that you've been thinking about all week on your heart, call us up. Talk about it. You're the guest this evening. Call us up at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. And get involved in the conversation this evening if you missed any part of the program and you want to catch it in its entirety, you can always go to a w a uh, time for dot com. That's time for dot com. Time for Awakening Media is up. You'll see the page. You'll see the podcast of the programs. You'll see other interesting articles. We'll be posting other podcast, uh, other blogs, and uh, the products will be up soon. So again, put that in your address bar. Add that to your favorites. That's time for an awakening media go to time for and get involved it's also a link there where you can uh uh go to one million conscious black voters and contributors straight from the page and and, and uh, look at the planks and and get involved uh let's go back to the conversation and brother reg before you uh mention what you talked about let's go to the phones uh 215 area code what's your name what you calling from
1: Oh, Brother Richard Philadelphia. So
5: oh, how are you sir? Hey, how you
1: doing now, oh, Elliot yeah, and, and Reg. Hello, Reg. Uh, I'm I'm gonna uh be reacting um in thought because I, I you know what one thing I, I like about um y'all program is I get opportunity to y'all y'all raise these the topics and I get opportunity to kinda of, uh, continue the study through process or thinking thinking now out loud, you know. <laughs> okay. Um Reggie <laughs> Reggie raises to me this thought of about the um with Huntington I think his name was Huntington said about the clash of civilizations and I kind of like to place african people in the context of our civilization and our historical lineage cuz you know the short of it is that I think that we have unresolved business with ourselves and that should be our primary focus because that what, what we do see when we look at our historical lineage, we were able to resolve differences by creating coalition. Um, I think that, that whether we, you know, when we talk about our ancient empires or, um, that I think that that can be, that can be considered a truism at some, at different points. And it's when we, those things broke down, um, created the environment for, the success of the enslavement process or the mof. That's that's not. Hey brother Richard, um, so yes.
8: let, me, let me add a point in there and I want you to chime in. So on what you just stated, the the unfinished business you, you're talking about for this at, at from the standpoint of black people organizing themselves, coming into their right minds, having some strength before uh, coalition building outside of our group begins.
1: Yeah, I, I, exactly. Um, I, 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 I'm maybe of the belief and find things to reinforce that um, even in North America, um, we have two different approaches to liberation. Um, and one uh, approach, and you know, has been as uh, y'all been enunciating to try to um, convince um, um, the the dominant power society to do right by us even as they created the framework where we weren't even included. I um, um, was just um, doing, you know, I'm a docent at the African American Museum so um, dealing with colonial Philadelphia and I've been dealing with this whole idea that when you look at the origin of a black Philadelphia elite, they they made a conscious decision, I think I say this all the time, that they were not going to rebel. Um, they were going to, and um, this um, writer puts in moral vision in a book, Moral Vision and Material Ambition, um, the city-free African leadership worked not from an assumption that blacks and whites were inherently different and unequal, but instead from the belief that they had to prove their equality to the city white population. Mm-hmm. That's a project. That's a social project. And, and these weren't no, these weren't no lightweight men and women of that period. But, um, and that's why I I respect and I acknowledge the position, even with one million conscious black voters and contributors, when say a cons- uh constitutional patriots, I understand that that there's a historical lineage that relates directly to the founding of the society. There's no, you know, no equivocation on that. But there's another project that also was and even though white um leaders and IU, I, I like the nineteenth century because I think that we were conscious about building nation building at that moment we were conscious about institutional building from businesses uh religious institutions educational institutions we were conscious deliberate and did it and those who were dissatisfied that it wouldn't work said well look we got to get out of here and liberia haiti had just came into their um, taking their revolution haiti um, anywhere was created conventions, you know, to discuss what choices and to assist in building these institutions, they were done, but it's always been the tension between let's convince them or forget them. Let's do what we got to do. So um,
8: brother Richard, let me, let me add, I'm going to ask you the question. That I was going to uh, propose to Elliot, and Elliot, after you get off the line, brother Richard, Elliot could Mm -hmm. uh, give his perspective on it. So I'm using this um, United States is 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 the protagonist in the statement I want to make, and uh, I'm going to propose this. Now we know that within the last, I'm going to say, last three to five years uh white media has been putting out a lot of information about bullying out newspapers, radio, social media. And I just want I just want to put this out there. Now if if there was a bully or several bullies, and this is this is goes to you richard. I just want to know your 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 perspective on this your your thought if we, if there's a bully that's going into different schools that you know that children go on there that you know some children that go there and they're having problems with 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 this one particular bully or two particular bullies going to school they're physically stronger than the children that you know in these different schools that they're bullying. Um, I do two scenarios with the bullies. There's a bully that's in high school, grade three scenarios, grade school, high school, and then and an adult, an adult in, an adult a thirty year old adult in a job in a job setting. Three bull, So we're gonna use three bullies. Three different settings, two school, one one in a job. Okay. Mm-hmm. The person who's bullying is stronger, physically stronger, whether they're a man or a man or woman or a boy or girl, a boy or girl. Strict they're st- physically stronger. Okay. Would you what's, what would be your take on all those three different levels of the person that's bullying? people that are weaker, would you say that they're strong mentally and spiritually? And I just want to get your takes, but give it to me on from the grade school, high school, and on the job setting. And,
1: and, 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 and you, know, Reggie, I, you know, as you're saying, it, the only thing in, in order to, to be sure, um, what comes to my mind and, and may not um, answer directly the way you said, because I like, and that's like, that's a whole on to with uh, Elijah Muhammad, Um uh, Said. Yeah. You, don't, you don't deal with the situation that it confronts you until you are 100% dissatisfied. And you can be weak as you want. And you can take that bully at grade school, high school, or on the job. On, on the job. You can take, the, take that stress from that person until the point where you can't take it no more. And what you'll do is come up with a solution to eradicate the bully. Okay. What is the? I, I, okay. Oh, so I, 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 I was. It's I was. I was in. I was, in, I, was okay, in, um, I was in high. I was in high school. Uh, um, Bob, and there was this guy, big guy, always um, um, messing with this, messing with this guy. He was thin, and I remember he came to school. Now this is gang war or you know, in Philly, but he came to school because we was all in class. And what he had been doing was learning how to um, use chucks. Now, this guy was bothering him all the time. But one day, he came in there with them chucks. And unbeknownst to this at this point for that bully in that high school scenario, he whaled that guy down the steps with them sticks. So at some point, he got 100% dissatisfied. And to take that to a people's level until, and the question about these two projects, as I said, you know, um, in closing, when we are 100% dissatisfied, when we hit the point, the point that you raised, Elliot, about, you know, the um, indiscriminate killing uh, within our community um, of innocent um, um, black men and women, when we as a community are 100% dissatisfied and, and history has shown that those moments have came, mm-hmm. then you'll see a, re- a action, if not a reaction. The same thing um, will come to when we're saying we have tried every avenue to get to do the moral, economic, create social integration, and it ain't working. This is the line. Now, when we created towns and you burnt them down, we created towns, and you created, you created economic apartheid, you did that, you got that. But we've learned, and now I'm 100% satisfied, that's not going to work no more. When we're 100%, then you'll see the type of social, economic, um, and you say spiritual formation that will include all of us. But more importantly, you'll see the self-maintenance thing that we will have to do. And that's that's what I, I I I that's what I extract from, you know, your scenario, um, the point of that we weren't, we haven't been with dealing with bullies at those levels We any time we wasn't hundred percent dissatisfied. And that's I'll just close on that. And Elliot, uh, you know,
5: uh
1: and I appreciate y'all giving me the time to express the thought. <laughs> Brother, Richard, you, Brother Richard, thanks as always for your call.
5: We got an open line, and you can get involved. Two one five two five three seven two six three. That's two one five two five three uh, seven two six three. Somebody just ringing in, uh, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling
3: from? Hey, brother Elliot, How you doing? How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Hey, brother Rex. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Hey, I was doing yeah, yeah, with uh, following Brother Richard and, and brother Sarah, uh, I mean they had a they gave me a lot to, to sister decipher. Sister. Her, sister. Sister.
4: Yeah,
3: especially Sister Sarah, she gave me so much to decipher, man. She was she was spot on. But you know, brother uh, Reggie and, and brother Elliot, when you talk about um, when you when you pose the question, to Elliot, about Caucasian people, how like we like we like you say how we like we said sit back and we say, Well, hopefully, you know, we appeal to their sense of humanity, they'll say, well, they'll stop mistreating us. They'll treat us fairly. And and that's, and that's a uh, fool's that's foolhardy because we have been trying that for years. Like I, like Minister I said on the tape, I got, he said, we have been trying to be a brother and a friend to Caucasian people for years. And look, we've got us some of the worst treatment in turn because see one thing I've learned and I'm 54 and I, don't claim to be a know-it-all, and it's a lot like I guess I learned this. I be learning stuff from the time I, you know, leave this earth. You know, knowledge is from the from the cradle to the grave. So I don't claim to be no expert one thing, but I do know in my in my world and stuff. Just living on this earth, walking around Caucasian people all my life, and I and I observe them. And so, the I don't like, you, know, obviously you observe these people and stuff. They are uh, they are like unlike any other people you can you can be around. And stuff, and I have observed how they act. How they, I, I can been around them so long. When I be on the job environment, I can almost predict what they gonna say. I can almost mouth. I have actually did it with them. When something certain, something innocent has happened, I'll be when I, when I, when I get the reaction, they say it right. but like they say just, what I predict they gonna say because you kind of learn how they how they roll, and that's why I, they don't have that. And again, it's not like you said, Ellie. It's not about being hateful. Right? It's just being honest and truthful. Their nature. This is what I'm like. I'm taught their nature. It's not one of of being a family of a village. That's why they have. A, that's why a lot of white folks have an issue with we use that phrase. It takes an entire village to the the the, the raise a child. They don't roll like that. They they more individualistic. They think things in terms of being individual. Everybody for themselves. And stuff that's that's why when you talk about collective responsibility you know about you know the community that that's totally diametrically opposed to caucasian people they don't think like that, so, so. you're trying to appeal to this sense of humanity its it's, it's almost a waste of time because when you you see you you see me and you can watch a a, a white guy. And listen to this carefully, Elliot and Rex. Mean you can sit there and watch a, a white guy being a, a white version of Rodney King getting his brains beat out by the police and say, let, let's paint the scenario and say that make, make the make Rodney King a white guy and make the cops, that's, the perpetrators black, which you know that ain't going to happen. There ain't no black cops going to beat no white because they know better. But let me just use this as example. Say if that did happen, and you could watch that and you'd be saying, damn, uh, Joe, that's a shame what them brothers did to that white man. They, they beat that white man with an inch of his life. And, we, and, we, you're, and you're condemning, Ellie. you are condemn you' Elliot. You'll condemn it because y'all got humanity behind y'all. Y'all see, man, that's a shame. They shouldn't have did that to, that to that white boy like that. But, see, white folks, on the other hand, they could see the same thing. They could see a, 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 the reverse, roles being reversed. They could see white cops doing that to a black man, less than Rodney King and many other cases. They will sit there and say it was justified. Because, see, again, they don't have that humanity there, so their nature is what it is. So when you're trying to filter to this sense of fairness and, and, and righteousness, you're pretty much wasting your time because they don't, they don't see it. They don't see things that way. And that's, just basically, that's basically the way they are. And when you talk about
8: uh, – Joe, stay there for a minute. Stay there for go, a minute. I'm here. Stay there for a minute. On mm-hmm. that, on that. There's a couple things, and, and I, I just want to do this because you're actually the perfect caller – on my, my on my statement I made earlier. It's mm-hmm. something that you say all the time. And you've been saying it. You say, white folks, they the devil. Right? And I know mm-hmm. you've been on our program, but we had that discussion with you, and I've had discussion with you offline. we mm-hmm. got somebody like Wayne Dyer that passed, passed mm-hmm. last year. Both of us has read his stuff. Now I put Wayne Dwyer on his writings and his teachings and the things he's done for humanity above any black man, black woman, and black child. But we have black men Black women and black children historically in our and in, in our history to have written moral codes of conduct written philosophical uh papers theological they've had theological positions on how we're supposed to be conducting ourselves as human beings on this earth before Wayne Dyer was even a thought so that so I'm just putting that out there but you and I have talked about like John Brown and, and mm-hmm. certain individuals that have done certain things right. They've done certain things right in certain instances, but we don't know what they have, would have done in another context or another situation. That's fair. But what I want to say to you on this now, you have some people say out there, and i we're going to put it out there, you have some people that say they come from the, uh, from the, the, the thought frame that white folks don't have no souls. And they talking about spiritual.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So
8: we're going to talk. Some people might have a problem with that, right? Mm-hmm. And then it will go based on us being the progenitors of spirituality, us being here first, and also based on not every white person's behavior, but the mm-hmm. majority, the, you know, the body politic of white folks, their behavior and continuous behavior up until this day. I'm putting that out there. All right. right? Now, on the flip side, when I had uh, made the statement about the bullies in the three scenarios, um, I don't have any problem with uh, Brother Richard's um, answer. Mm -hmm. Where I was coming from, I wanted to use America to be the example. Now, Mm -hmm. someone that bullies, there's those different stages. So when you're young, you might not know any better until somebody teaches you, right? You get into high school. Uh, grade school, you might not know any better. Just an in, innate behavior that you have, or could be learned behavior from your environment, your household, your parents, or your peers. High school, peer uh, peer pressure. You might have some stuff going on with with you of why you exhibit that be, why you exhibit that behavior in high school. So you're thinking, by the time you become 30 years old, you're in a workplace that whatever that you went through in grade school and high school. And then whether you're working career from 20 up to 30 or going to college or graduate school, that would have been worked out your system. That's my premise, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that when you look at the three scenarios where I'm talking about bullies and you look at America, right? Mm -hmm. If you are really strong, and you can look at this as a philosophical uh, uh, premise or argument that I'm putting out there. Are you really strong if you already know that you have all the weapons, all the guns, you're, uh, and you have the might, right? Mm-hmm. And you say that you are not a bully, but you exhibit bully behavior all the time. Are you exhibiting that behavior because you're really weak? that's the reason, but when you look at America, everybody look at America as the country that has all the weapons, Mm -hmm. has all the opportunity, supposed quote unquote, supposed to be of a high level of moral democracy and (laughs) constitution and um, collaborating with people of different nations, the melting pot, the creme of the creme de la creme, you know. Uh, the, the 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 utopian place for people to the want the to come to right now I'm saying is this country because we will say a bully at 30 years of age that's bullying mm-hmm. people there's something wrong with them in their brain right they have some sort of hurt or some some um, some sort of pain somebody in high school doing it. Oh, they might be smelling themselves. They might have something mentally wrong with them. Somebody in grade school that's bullying somebody. They might not know any better, or they're getting this behavior from their environment, or there's right. something going on with them that's causing this behavior. So we're talking about this young country, in the United States of America. We can look at this young country as a brat, a child, in, a child. We can look at it. De- mm-hmm. it depend how you want to. We can look at it as a, a as a country that's in high school, or we can look at it as a country that that that, that is thirty years of old, thirty years of age, has gone through the different stages, now knows what it's doing, and don't give two cent about being a bully. And I just well, want to get your thoughts on about that. Is this well, country strong, or is that bully strong?
3: Well I I I think I think you made some good points, uh Reggie. See, I think America believes they are a strong uh military, but they mor they morally weak. They may be strong somewhat militarily, but they morally weak. And see, it's been said not just out of my, from my vantage point, but see, it's been said over the years about America. I think Paul Robinson might even hint at this. See what has kept America in check over the years. And see, I know a lot of people find this hard to believe, but when you look at countries like the Soviet Union, Russia, China, countries that's military as strong as America, if if, if America was the so-called only superpower in the world, knowing the nature of this white man in America, his nature is like any other Caucasian you can find on the face of this earth, there would have been man roughshod over the whole world. See, 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 these white boys, the late great brother Fred, our dear brother who said, you know, separation of wills fall our Fred said it best one time on, on the old terrestrial station station, uh, over there on, the, on the AM dial, he says, these white boys, the fascist minds of these Caucasians that over here in America, he said, they will make Hitler in a brown shirt look like Boy Scouts. And that's the truth. These people got a mindset that they, they will make Hitler seem like a quiet boy. So that's the only thing that's kept this white man in check, because you do got so-called superpowers that, that, that it's on a par with him militarily. If it wasn't that for that, they would have they ran roughshod. Case in point now, you look at North Korea. See that they always look at North Korea as the so-called, as they say, the ace in the hole. See the United States and the white man is very. A uh, uh, curious he knows North Korea has military strength he knows North Korea has nuclear weapons see but what the white man don't know he don't know how much arsenal he has because you know and I know you see Elliot and Rich I'm not saying that all that y'all don't know you see how it was played out with Libya and Iraq that's why Saddam Hussein and brother Gaddafi both from the head now because the United States figured they ain't got no military might so we can bum rush them if they knew for one minute that North Korea would have had no military might. Don't you know this Caucasian would have been ran roughshod over North Korea? But they are afraid because they don't know what North Korea got. And so so, so the unknown is what keeps this white man in check. Like I said, they know North Korea got some nuclear weapons, but they don't know to what to what degree. And this is what keeps this devil over here in America in check. That's the whole reason why, because he you know the bully could be met on an even par. So that's why they... Sitting back, throwing all these sanctions on North Korea. They, they, they demonize the leader of North Korea. They say all these things because they don't know what this man has in his arsenal. And that's the bottom line. And see, again, when you're a righteous nation, you don't have to flaunt your military might. You know, I already know you have that. But see, they flaunt it around the world against people, like I say, the countries where they know they are stronger than. But you know they never flaunt that military might when it come to Russia or China because they know these two countries are on a par with them. And they like can they don't even do it with North Korea that much either because, again, they don't know what North Korea got. They only do it with people who they know they're stronger than. You know, this is how the white man has always operated. He has always operated like that throughout his history in, in America. He has he has done that. And see, you bring you make you make a point. You know, Sister Sarah was talking about uh, caucasian people and, and stuff. When you look at people like John Brown and, and and others caucasian people that have shown humanity, I take the position with them. I'm like Minister Farrakhan kind of said to Tim Russet, the late Tim Russell from from uh. The Today Show, uh, Meet the Press. I'm sorry for Meet the Press. He had an interview with the ministers several years ago, and 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 and, and Tim Russell was saying, yeah, but Minister Farrakhan, what about all the white people, like the you know the ones that have really fought with black people? And this and Mr Farrakhan said, look, as a Muslim, he said I can't take nothing away from them. He says they, he said may Allah be pleased them for what they have done and this stuff was to give them they they do. He says, but. The problem we as black people, he, he said, just Sarah said, he said, we don't have time, sir, to keep looking for that benevolent white person, whether it be Bill Clinton, or Hillary Clinton, whether it be John, John Brown whomever. He said, we got to do what we have to do. He said, my whole thing with white folks, the ones that say that they are righteous and they want to do the right thing, he says, you got plenty of work to do in the white community. He said, so instead of trying to join up with us, he said, go into your white community and straighten them out. And that's what Brother Malcolm said the same thing back in the 60s. He told white folks on these college campuses, he says, if you're sincere about the plight of black people, don't try to join us and make our movement weak. And and like Sarah said, become a distraction, because white, black people are all over a white person when they think they're doing something or saying something right. So instead of the... Don't try to join us. Like Malcolm said, go to the white community. Go to your mothers, your fathers, your sisters and brothers, your neighbors who you know our biggest. Straighten them out. Don't try to come to our movement and make our movement weak and stuff. So that's why I always say to Caucasian people, I, I don't knock people that's the white folks that's trying to do the right thing on behalf of black people. My only thing is that do it within your community, Straight your people out and stuff like that. Don't try to come over and dictate to us what we should and shouldn't do. We know what we have to do and everything like that. You know what I mean? Like when I see those white people, kids watching or uh, supporting Momia, I have no problem with that because they should. Momia is an innocent man. He's, he's a victim of a white racist injustice system. So when these white kids on these college campuses be saying, free Momia, you know, wall by wall, brick by brick, you know, while by war, we want to free up Moby, abu Jamal. I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? So I mean, it, it is what it is and stuff. So so we so we see clearly is the answer is not you know but keep looking for Hillary Clinton or or or, or Bernie Sanders, no matter what state they may say or do that even if even, even if they you know saying what they're going to do, they may. Do what they gonna do? That's all well and good. They should do it, you know. But we don't have time to, like, like Sarah said, to keep on waiting to see what they gonna do and and hoping and praying that they do the right thing. We have we have we have to put out get out up our game plan, like she said. You get up our game, and that's basically what it comes down to. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. We have to do what we gotta do. Well, and look, and when look, you talk about Malcolm X. You talk about Fred Half Y'all saw the documentary the other day. The, well, the, the look, the look, cop, let me let me mention this. About, I'm sorry. Imagine,
5: to, uh, with the. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, Joe and Lurston, what Reg was talking about. Um, Okay. Reg, I I see this, which you uh, categorize as a bullying tactic by uh, the United States and and, then European power or the dominant society or whatever you want to, or white folks, whatever you want to call it, is a a tool to hide its inadequacy. That's right. Uh, They know that, just like I mentioned before, that they were Johnny-come-latelys. Or latecomers into the family of man as far as being uh, civilized. Uh, it was a lot of things that they didn't know. Uh, even when they started leaving the confines of Europe, they believed that the world was flat. Now, That's correct. They say these things now as some type of like a passing joke, but it wasn't a passing joke. That shows you the level of mentality. Among basic Europeans during those periods, when people of, 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 of African descent have been traveling the world for thousands of years, mm-hmm. they come along in fourteen hundreds, thirteen hundreds, saying that the mm-hmm. world was flat. So that, you would fall that, off the face of Earth. That lets you know the mentality <laughs> of the people you were dealing with. Even now, uh, if you're dealing with international situations or dealing with the way Europeans deal with us here in this country. They feel woefully inadequate. That's why they keep our people to a level of ignorance. They don't want our people to become more educated. They don't want our people because it would be no, it's it's no, you wouldn't be competing with them. It would be, you would surpass them. They don't want that.
3: So it's always,
5: so it's, go, go ahead, Joe.
3: Nightmare, because absolutely right, This is why, Ellie, you have said this many times. This is why, this is no accident, brother Ellie. This is why they push these menstrual shows like Housewives of Atlanta. Artem's uh, the empire, you know. All that's Artem's, all this ministry to show black people in their lowest moments. They push them shows because they know they keep our people in a in a dumb stupor. It's no accident why they do it. And they know some of our people are so gullible that they'll look at that stuff and they'll think that it's the it's the what, what's the, it's, the, it's the bomb or what's the wave, you know, whatever. says our people saying that at that particular time, this is why they push those things and stuff. It's no accident why they do it to keep us dumb down. And see, when you look at the, the 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 American war machine. We look look at a country like Vietnam. First showed the inadequacy of the white man's military. Now we all know America got bombs on top of bombs. They bombed Vietnam and Saigon to. They bound them countries like 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 to hell froze over. But what happened with the white man? See, you can't win a war just by an air attack. You got to come down the old old single, Brother brother, and brother, L, you got to take your ass on that ground
1: and, 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 and
3: have hand to hand combat and let the rubber meet the road. When no white boys had to had to get off the airplanes and go on them ground. That's when them Vietnamese start wearing their ass out. Cause you know why they start going guerrilla warfare. They start setting up booby traps, all that kind of stuff. And that's why America took checks took, 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 took a casualty count because, again, you just can't win on the air campaign. And this is how white boys, even today, they tough when they can sit there and send drones and, and, and all that kind of stuff and drop bombs from the air. Anybody could do that. Well, you have to get on that ground, man, and you have to do hand-to-hand combat. That's a different ball game. Anybody that's been in the military will tell you that. I'm not, I've am never been in the military, but my dad was in the Navy. So I'm talking about people that have been in the military, Brother Rob, others like that. they'll tell you you have to get on that ground, brother. It's a different ball game, and and, and the white boys never could handle that. They never could handle that. And that's why they catch them white boys a lot of times. You ever notice, brother Elliot and Reg, when they catch these so-called tough white boys, whether they be Vietnamese soldiers or whomever, the white boys they they they, they, talk, they start telling everything. They get captured, they tell. They, commit, they admit to crowds, they, 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 the crimes that the people that they catch them they never know they even committed. They, they admit to everything because they fear come at them there. And they figure for their life, so they tell everything. They, they start spilling American secrets, everything. But that's the way they are. They're cowards. When you catch them and you take away that so-called toughness and military might that they have, and, they, and you meet them on an even part, the, the, the punk and cowardness comes out in them. It has, it has, it's always been that way with them. You know, it's like John McCain is a prime example. They like say John McCain was singing like a canary, and the Vietnamese captured him when he was over there dropping bombs, telling innocent Vietnamese whipping them women the children. When they captured that sucker, they like said McCain was singing like a canary. He was telling everything, <laughs> everything. You know what I mean? And that's the way. And that's what they do. You so, know what I mean? So we see clearly what, what we up against. What, you know what we're dealing with. And I close with this, but, Elliott. Thanks for your time with Fred Hampton. I saw that documentary, and you was mixed about Jane Roberts, and you spoke the traitors. Well, see. It, go- it may come a point in America, just like we see in the South Africa, where traders going to have to be dealt with harshly, like they was dealt with with the traders in South Africa. Because, see, the Jane Roberts of the world, they can't be allowed to just keep doing what they're doing and going with their life after they're c- causing the murder of people like Malcolm and others and stuff. Fred, it happened to people like that because two or three black, sh- you saw the documentary, Ellen and Reggie, black policemen that was in, on the Chicago Police Department, they said clearly, when you watch the documentary on PBS the other night, they says that. They came with the intent. Make Remind you, move, May 19, May 13th, 1985 here in Philadelphia. They came with the direct intent. The murder, Fred, happened in Mark Clark, because like the police officers said, the, the three black cops said, they could have easily threw tear gas in there, and nobody's going to sit there in no stand over room with tear gas. You're going to kick the hell out of there. You can't, you can't deal with that tear gas. They could have smoked out of there easily. They went with the intent to murder them people, and that's what they did. The same thing with move, they could have... They could have smoked move out of the house if they wanted to. They could have used tear gas but they came with their te they they were determined on that day they was gonna murder the move family. And that's what they did. I mean this is what the this is what the devil do when they when they when, when they have shown with white folks, when they wanna take white folks to live, they do it. But and stuff, but when they come to our people they'll sit there and, and come with their cold-blooded murder plan, murder incorporated, and this is what they did, the move, and this is what they did to our dead brother Fred Hampton and Mark Clark back in 1968 in Chicago. I mean, it's, it, you know, it is a fact of history. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is.
5: Thank you but for your call, for time,
3: Ellie and you right. Y'all brothers, take care. I'll be listening for the rest of the show.
5: All right. Rich? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, the, um... I know that you had mentioned that you wanted to, to uh, measure that, but I don't know whether I touched on it uh, in the comment to uh, uh, to the call of Joe. But um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I just really believe that uh, it's a if you're using that analogy, it's just a a, a, a cover to just to uh, to hide their inadequacies. And I mean, it's clear to me that uh, the people are woefully inadequate. So uh, th- they use all types of ways to keep our people ignorant, being that we, we've been here basically since the time that they've been here. It's been a concerted effort since we've been here to keep our people ignorant.
8: And and, and the reason why I, I'm putting that out there, Sarah had put out the thing about uh, religion and, and the damaging effects that it's had on, on black folks. But I do want to put out, these same white folks, not all of them, but they do front that this is a, a Bible-faring, God-faring country. Most definitely. And we do know, and and I, I failed to mention this to uh, when Joe was talking, that when you talk about the Constitution, most of those early uh, men that signed on to the Constitution— even when you talk about Thomas Jefferson, that wrote he had his own Bible. He was brave enough to go write his own Bible, the Jefferson Bible. Talked about the Constitution, talked about the laws, the you know the Mosaic laws, and how it was so good and uh, for society for men to be to, to be uh, uh, to abide by certain rules. And, and more stipulations, as was found in, in the Mosaic Law. This is what Thomas Jefferson wrote, so he had to be reading the Bible, and then before he went and did his own translation. But this same person owned slaves. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna keep going with this. When you talk about America, and you talk about the Bible, and you talk about that that nonsense about masters and slaves slaves be obedient to your masters and, and and there's stuff in the bible that talks about the masters how they're supposed to, to treat their slaves now if you're a strong person and you have this might and strength and you're supposed to have this morality and spirituality about you you would think that you would become more gentle more compassionate, be able to be able to communicate and, 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 and agree in, in a fashion where it doesn't cause harm or as they would like to say, a, 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 a lot of a lot of collateral damage. but we see this is not what we see when you're talking about the United States of America. The United States of America, it's not really a country based on any spirituality principles. The things that you're talking about that they have in the Constitution. Why do you think that they added all these amendments and there's always these clauses and changes to this thing to 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 to, to these laws? Just just putting something out there, you know, for for us to talk about L.A. and just to have the listeners just think about. And I think that's where black folks go wrong. And I don't even think you got to call a white person the devil or the evil. just goes back and listen, what they're saying they're about, they're not about it. (laughs) They're telling you, they're saying that this is a constitution founded on religion, on their God based on Mosaic law. So you all you have to do is go to a Bible and show a white person based on your constitution. This was the foundation of everything that you say you believe in. Stealing, murder, <laughs> coveting. They master this. All the, that's all you got to do. Go to them and show them. I ain't trying to have no conversation with no white folks about what they are doing to me because all all you got to do is show them. Show them their stuff and I think I promise as Sarah and as, uh, Brother Richard has said in Germantown, Joe just stated that we have unfinished business that we need to take care of. If we're the progenitors of everything we see out here, science, math, astronomy, languages, morality, spirituality, theology, thoughts, polemics. All these things that these Greeks, Greco-Roman civilization faked the funk and said that they started, but we know that those folks went to Egypt to study. It's documented as facts. and took it back, destroyed, erased, stole artifacts. If we're not important, black folks if we're not important why are they so worried about us why are they so worried about what we're doing why are they so concerned about locking us up why are they so concerned about not educating us why are they so concerned about our health Why are they concerned about injecting us with these vaccines that in their own literature has side effects? And we keep going for it. They give us medicine and we read it. And the thing is supposed to help us with has five side effects that are worse than what we're trying to deal with. And it's still around. They're still making merchandise out of us, still making money, and we're sitting here worried about the Oscars. We're worried about the Grammys. And the symbolism is good. I think part of I, I think one of the one of the problems that we have when it comes to white folks that are doing something good, I think we get so overjoyed because we know that's one out of a million. <laughs> We deal with white folks. I think that's why we get overjoyed. You got one person doing a a a, a gesture that a, another million white folks will never do. Yeah,
5: well, <laughs> these are interesting topics and interesting subjects. Um, I know that a lot of uh, folks are listening and, and and it's on their mind. Uh, I wanted to call us that got involved this evening with the conversation. Uh, wonderful things they brought up and, and and a lot of food for thought. Um, two things I want to mention before we wind things up. And it ties in with the conversation we've been having tonight. Um, that Supreme Court Justice Scalia died. Um, and I was listening purposely to terrestrial Black Talk Radio there's only a couple of different programs you can listen to. And just to hear some of the folks calling in to, to mention about this guy dying. And a lot of people was calling in saying, you know, uh, I could care less whether he died, good riddance, things of that nature. And almost to a man, I kept hearing the hosts, whether it be Madison, Sharpton, I'll name names well others oh don't say that uh, uh, you know this, this man was he's a smart man he was just don't don't say those things y- you know some of our people need to stop apologizing for Europeans less than a month ago this man was saying that our children don't deserve and shouldn't be going to these t- so-called top universities in this country he made statements like this he spent his whole life Thinking of ways to devise laws to keep our people down.
8: And you know who now, loved who him? Who
5: cares? Who cares whether this clown died? You know who loved him, Elliot? Huh?
8: Guess who loved him?
5: Well, I don't know. You know? No, I don't. You
8: were just talking about to Uncle Tom at the start of the program.
5: Oh, with well, Thomas. Well, yeah, but listen. But I'm just saying, I'm talking about the mentality of some of our people.
8: You already know the answer.
5: Let, I don't know why you, let, you know let, the answer
8: why they're doing let that. Let the
5: people talk. When you listen to terrestrial, you want to stay stations, on the radio, when, Elliot. When because you li- let me finish, Let me finish. When you listen to terrestrial radio stations, there's always a disclaimer: the opinions that express is not necessarily the opinions of the ownership, management, or advertisers of this particular station. So it's no need for the host to tell callers, oh, "Don't say that. Don't say that." Unless they're cursing. If you're cursing on terrestrial, that's different. But when you're expressing your opinions, I don't care who it is, let the people talk. It's no need for a host to say, oh, don't say that about this man. Don't say that about Scalia. The people can say what they want about this clown. His record speaks for itself. And another thing before we go. Malcolm made a statement, um, and we play, I played it in the beginning, when he talked about the uh, de- depressed and controlled press inflames the white public against negroes so when these things happen they don't feel nothing when the police attack them now you got ministers out there that's laying their hands on clinton here in philadelphia down at mother bethel church but they don't deal with the fact that two of her top and we talked about it last week two of her top uh uh uh, um uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, you know the folks that, that that raise money for you. Two of her top money raisers, or, or uh, that's involved in her pack, her super packs, come from the uh, the private prisons. Uh, uh, um, I forgot the name of both of them. I don't have the article in front of me. She made a statement in 1996, and I'm a quote. I read the quote. and They were talking about. Uh, black children they're not just gangs of kids anymore they are often the kind of kids that are called super predators no conscience no empathy we can talk about why they ended up that way but first we have to bring them to heal now the statement that she used to heal is not h-e-a-l but h-e-e-l like you would a dog now, she said that in reference to our children in a statement in 1996. But, and now she's talking something different to black folks. And two of her major campaign contributors are, 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 are the GEO Group and uh, uh, that uh, Corporation of America, that, that those two private prisons. These black folks is laying their hands on them, these ministers. Like you mentioned last week, they ought to be ashamed of themselves to stand up in pulpits and talk about Jesus forgiving somebody. Somebody need to go in there and put their foot straight up their them's butt. This type of shenanigans these people are pulling, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton, they need to be called on these statements. Called on them. Not to explain them, because they're saying exactly how they feel. But to let these folks know that you ain't our people ain't all fools. Maybe some of these folks are fools, but our people ain't all fools, and especially when you're exposed to the proper information. Turn off Steve Harvey. Turn off Tom Joyner, all that stupid crap that they listen to in the morning. Turn off that crap, Empire, and all that stuff at night. Get a book. Look at some alternative news sites if you want to listen to news. It's news coming that don't come from this country that talk about issues going on in this country. Start weighing this stuff. See what's really going on. Look at some of the past statements. These people, all of them have track records. We've talked about it on the program. You've mentioned it several times, Rich. Our people need to wake up. Simple as that. And we're coming to the end, uh, coming up on the end of the program, and I just want to mention again that if you missed any part of the program or if you want to catch it as a society, Go to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. There you'll see uh, a lot of interesting articles. Uh comments from some of the people have that have looked at the articles, uh, podcasts the program, and other things that'll be coming very soon to the site. That's Timeforanawakening.com. Put it in your address bar, put uh put it make it one of your favorites. That's timeforanawakening.com. Reg, before we leave, any last words? No, sir. Oh, also, and we've been talking about it today. Reg mentioned it in the beginning of the program. The press conference uh, for one million conscious black voters and contributors is coming up. We, uh, give that date again, Reg. I don't have my information in front of me.
8: Two twenty-five this Thursday.
5: That's in Washington, D.C., and that location again. I'll bear with me for a minute, Elliot. No, go. go. Well, we'll we'll have it up on the site, and it'll probably be up on our Facebook. Go ahead.
8: Let's go to a commercial real quick, and uh, we come back, and I have the information geared up. All right, we'll do
5: that. We'll do that. Uh, We'll be right back.
7: tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com
5: What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, If you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. You know
4: all the work I did the other man.
10: We're not moving. One half or one percent of the nation's wealth. That's what slavery did to you. It mal-distributed everything in the hands of the dominant white society. And as an example, you didn't acquire any wealth since 1860. Let me show you some other indications. In 1860, on the eve of the Civil War, almost 99% of all the black people in America, slave and free, was working for whites. Either in a white corporation, in a white business, in some white office, making wealth confident for whites. On a plantation, or whatever it is. Here you are, 140 years later, and again, 98% of all the black people in America work for whites. They either work in some level of government, white businesses, city government, state government, school teaching. Only 2% of all the blacks in America work in their own communities for themselves. Only 2% work for themselves. You haven't changed in 140 years. Let me try it another way if you still don't understand my point. On the eve of the Civil War in 1860, again, at that time, going and look at all the prisons in the United States and examining their records, I found out in the records, when I looked at, in the prisons in Savannah, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New York, um... Uh, Washington, D.C., looked at all the prisons and I found out at that time even though only 287,000 blacks were free. Blacks made up over 51% of all the prisoners. You weren't even free and you made up 51% of the prisoners. Now I look around 140 years later, today, and I still find black folks make up over 51% of all the prisoners. Where have you changed? You don't own a thing. You're still in prison. still work for other people. You're enjoying a social illusion. Now you're fat and happy because we can go to someone else's restaurant. We can go to someone else's school. We can, we can go to someone else's hotel. We can live in someone else's community. And we don't understand the negative aspects of that. That is a death sentence. And we don't understand what racism is.
6: Uh, The movie suggests that Negroes vote for in the coming election. I wouldn't suggest that they vote for any party or either party. Uh, I would suggest that the so-called Negroes become politically mature, realize the power that they hold uh, in the field of politics, and then uh, once the person who is running is aware that this man is awakened to the power that he holds, then that person who is running will approach that Negro on a more intelligent plane. As it is right now, most of the Negro leaders sell out to the political, to the white politicians for crumbs. And uh, an awakening, a political awakening among Negroes will make it impossible for the present uh, Negro leaders to sell our people out as they've been doing in the past.
9: Well, you do think Negroes should vote?
6: Negroes should do whatever is necessary to bring about a complete solution to their problem. If it, uh, when I say whatever is necessary,
5: Whatever is necessary. Welcome back. It's a time for an awakening. And uh, (laughs) boy, I'm telling you, each time you hear snippets of Brother Malcolm's speeches, it seems like he's talking about something that he was here last week talking about it. I mean, it's it's incredible to hear these same things being talked about over 50 years ago. But uh, go ahead, Reg. Give out that information.
8: The One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors Movement will conduct its first national news conference to take place in Washington, D.C. on Thursday, February 25th, 2016. The event will be held at the African-American Civil War Memorial and Museum located at 1925 Vermont Avenue Northwest. The doors will open at 9 a.m. Continental Breakfast will be available. The conference will get underway promptly at 10 a.m. and continue until 12 noon. Uh, Once again, that will be this Thursday, February 25th, 2016. The event will be held at the African American Civil War Memorial Museum, located at 1925 Vermont Avenue Northwest. This will be at the African American Civil War Memorial Museum. Uh, Doors will open at 9 a.m., the conference will get underway promptly at 10 a.m. If you want more information, please go to one million conscious black voters and contributors website. You could Google the name or go to I am one of the million.com. I am one of the If you want additional information, you can send an email to info at am one million.com Info at i one oneofthemillion.com. Thank you.
5: I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always. And We'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
4: You're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon <laughs> or you're watching your children